Get ready to get blitzed on the Blitz Podcast at thehuddle.com with your host, Steve Gallo and Harley Schultz. Welcome back for the Blitz Podcast. It is week one. As we record, week one's actually wrapping up. The Saints and the Texans are mid-second quarter, and there's still another game to go on Monday night. Harley, you get through week one so far unscathed? Not only unscathed, but a little bit richer in the back pocket. That's always a nice thing. Um, So we waited forever, it seems like, for the season to start. And then we think we know everything and then find out we know nothing. What surprised you the most this week? You know, I would have to say that uh, I was a little surprised at how bad Jacksonville's defense looked against uh, looked against the Chiefs. Uh, but I'm also surprised at how good Lamar Jackson looked throwing the ball this year. Not bad for a running back. Um, yeah, I'm with you. I was completely shocked at that defensive effort, honestly. Um that means we were way wrong on our DFS stuff last week, when I, especially me when I was saying I'm avoiding Chiefs at all costs. Um, I still think it was the right process, just the end result wasn't what it should have been. Well, I, I think uh, people that read the uh, Daily Dominator article I published on Friday, though, know that I did mention in there that no matter what, you had to put at least one Chiefs stack lineup into your, into your uh, pocketbook, so to speak, this week because, I mean, realistically – he can go. Patrick Mahomes can go off against anyone at any time, and I think he proved that by really just exploiting and, and exploiting a very, very good secondary, despite losing his primary wide receiver early in the game. Yes, that is true. Um, so here's a question for you: Who is going to be? And we're going to. Okay, I guess we should tell people this. We're going to get into, of course, our DFS plays, like always. And we're also going to do a little free agent forecast. Um, we're going to reprise what was written on the huddle today for the free agent forecast week two. We're going to run through those players and see what we think um, you should do with those said players. But here's my question to you. Who is this year's, or is there a Frisman Jackson this year? <laughs> well, plenty of candidates. Plenty of there's candidates. way too many candidates. Uh, at, at this point... Uh, Oh, geez. I, I think you have to assume it's going to be the Jaguars quarterback, Gardner Minshew, but uh, it, it really is hard to tell. There's, there's just so many potential uh, guys for you to spend your money on in a free agent environment this week. So here's what I'll say. I always try to truly keep Malcolm it- Brown. I'm going to say Malcolm Brown. Malcolm Brown. Okay. I was going to say I like to keep it to a true wide receiver um, for comparison's sake. And I'll tell you who it really should be, but we'll talk about him probably a little more later too. It really should probably be John Ross because I just don't know, does the switch really just come on like that? But I'm going to just bail myself out here and say it'll be Philip Dorsett, um, especially since Antonio Brown's joining that team today, basically. Yeah, yeah I, I don't think, I, I think at this point in their history, no one's buying the John Ross story. <laughs> so... But only time will tell. And if people don't know who Frisman Jackson is, um, Google him. So with that said, I think it's about time that I throw it over to Mr. Harley Schultz for this <coughs> week's 
Blitzed Podcast News. Thank you, Steve. The Antonio Brown saga came to a bizarre conclusion over the weekend as Brown and his agent orchestrated his release from the Oakland Raiders. Less than 24 hours after being cut by Oakland, it was announced that the New England Patriots would be bringing in the mercurial wide receiver. As serious journalists, we can only speculate as to whether or not Bill Belichick was the puppet master of this charade. But he was. <laughs> Nick Foles sustained a broken clavicle Sunday, which will necessitate a visit to the IR. The team is hopeful for his return later this year. In his absence, something called Gardner Minshew proved nearly perfect against the Chiefs Sunday. The Jags were so enamored by this performance that they immediately traded for Pittsburgh's backup quarterback, Joshua Dobbs. I'd like to declare that Minshew is a real potential talent, but in truth, his performance is more an indictment of the Chiefs' bizarrely bad defense. <laughs> Supposed run-first quarterback Lamar Jackson completed 17 of 20 passes for 324 yards and five touchdowns as part of a massacre of Miami. Following the game, Jackson was hand-delivered a formal letter from PETA accusing him of dolphin cruelty. <laughs> Sterling Shepard sustained a concussion in the Giants' loss to Dallas Sunday. At this point, his status for next week is in peril. With Shepard out, the team will start whichever wide receivers are not drafted by the XFL this week. And finally... Darius Geis will miss significant time due to a knee injury. Stop me if you've heard this before. This has been your BPN News Update. Yeah, so that's kind of sad um, with Geis, um, you know, on the fantasy level, on the personal level, all that kind of stuff. Um, as everybody knows, I'm an Eagles fan, so watching the first part of that game was tough, but he was running really well. Um, he really was, so... I didn't notice the injury. I don't know. Maybe I was distracted checking all my, you know, 60,000 fantasy lineups or something, but that's a tough break. Um, and now it, Adrian Peterson doesn't have to be a healthy scratch. He can play in sets that they really don't want to have to run their offense through. Exactly. So, well, with that, there are lots of free agents um, that people are probably looking to pick up. There's probably a lot of players people are looking to drop that they should not drop. Um, Let's just say somebody's like, hey, um, Vance McDonald did nothing except for those two catches late. I'm going to drop him for X, or I'm going to drop – I want to drop Devontae um, Adams because I can't believe how bad he played last week. Like, come on, just stop. You know, Julio Jones, I'm going to drop him for Malcolm Brown. Don't, don't do something like that. You know, I already got a call today, someone asking if I should drop Baker Mayfield. Well, quarterback doesn't matter, so – I won't. <laughs> but listen, seriously, and I saw this on Sunday on Twitter. Somebody saying that they had to make a decision between starting Pat Mahomes and Carson Wentz. And I was like, you got to be kidding me. Like, you don't spend that draft capital on Mahomes to wonder in week one, should you be starting him? So you live by the sword. You die by the sword. Baker was one of those guys. He wasn't a late-round quarterback. So, yes, he's easier to cut than Pat Mahomes would be. But live by the sword, die by the sword. Exactly. Now, uh, fortunately, uh, the folks at the huddle, uh, particularly one of our uh, 
lead writer, his name is Corey Benini, he uh, put out an article this week. He's going to put out an article every week. It's called the Free Agent Forecast. Basically, it's a breakdown of all the significant free agent players available in any given week or that should be available in a, a majority of fantasy football formats for redraft. And then he basically breaks down, gives a little information about uh, how much of your free agent budget you should potentially spend to get that player, as well as how important that player might be to get. So, okay, you, you gave that well. So what I'm going to do, I don't want to spend a lot of time on quarterbacks. So I'm going to put them all together and say, are there any of them that you truly feel are must-ads or somebody you'll pick up and stream this week? We've got Well, in, go in reality – oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. <clears throat> I was going to say, unless you're in a two-quarterback league, I don't think any of the four quarterbacks listed would be a quarterback that I'd just go and pick up. Of course, along those same lines, if you're in a four-quarterback league, all of the quarterbacks listed except for Gardner Minshew are already on a roster. Yes. So let's act like it's a one-quarterback league, and let's do this. I'll, I'll, I'll switch up a little bit. We have Matthew Stafford, who's listed, Andy Dalton, Marcus Mariota, and then Gardner Minshew. We're going to push Mark Gardner Minshew to the side. Of those three guys, would you drop Jameis Winston for any of those guys for season long, not to play matchups? You're going to drop him, and you're going to run with that guy the rest of the year. No chance in hell. Right. <laughs> but if you're weak at quarterback, say Jameis is who you have, and you have a spot to bring in another quarterback as a backup, which one of those guys, if any, are you going to pick up? I think it has to be Matthew Stafford just because he's got more healthy weapons around him than than Dalton has or that uh, Mariota has. Uh, Mariota has been really mercurial himself over his career, constantly injured, uh, constantly underperforming. And Andy Dalton's going to be without A.J. Green for at least the next couple of weeks, if not longer. Uh, Joe Mixon's also hurt now, so... That team's shorthanded. I really don't want that much to do with that offense, despite the fact he looked pretty good this past week. Yeah. So what I would say is, yeah, I'm with like, I'm not sure that Stafford's going to be volume heavy enough for me to want to be able to use. But in a pinch, I could see using him. Dalton, I think game script wise, is going to be perfect. But like you said, you don't know how much longer AJ Green's going to be out. He was actually in a walking boot on Sunday still. And then you also have the possible loss of Mixon for we don't know how long. Um, and can John Brown, Frisman Jackson keep it up? I don't know. Um, so, yeah, I'd be a little bit hesitant on those guys at this point. And Mariota, I'm sorry, I'm still leery. It's just I'm not sure what happened in Cleveland. Um, but, you know, we will see players that play well above their head and will play well below it. And the, truth val- the true value is going to be somewhere in the middle. And I think we saw Mariota's ceiling, and I'm not really – he's not somebody that – makes me happy well it seems like every single year we get one or two games from Mariota where he looks like he's going to be an all-star type quarterback pro bowl type quarterback and then the rest of the season he does nothing now it doesn't always happen the first week of the season but he always seems to have one week or maybe even two weeks where he looks very very good and then he looks really vanilla the rest of the time so so let's run over let's run over to running back because that's what everybody wants to, to you know get help at First one listed, Malcolm Brown. Should Todd Gurley owners be a thousand times more scared than when they initially drafted him? No. I I think it showed in Gurley's usage in the second half of the game. I I think it just happened to be a a matter of circumstance that Brown was in the game 
at the time when the uh, touchdowns were scored early on. I think that this is still Gurley's offense as long as Gurley's leg holds up. And they didn't waste a high pick on Daryl Henderson for him not to be the real handcuff, the true handcuff to Todd Gurley. Uh, this, again, was just a matter of weird circumstance that Brown had a big game. If you have Gurley, you might want to have both of those guys on speed dial if you don't already have one or both of them on your bench as a backup. It, it sucks to have to waste three spots on a particular player, but I, I'm i not overly worried. And, until we see Gurley actually not play a full half. It'll be, it'll be too late. That's not that worry. It'll be too late at that point. Um, exactly. I, we're on, we're all on opposite sides of the fence with this. I'm not sold 100% on Malcolm Brown, but yeah, if I'm a girly owner, which I'm not, um, I'd be extremely worried. So here's what, here's how I'll tell you. So you could say that it just happened to be, that's how the rotation was. And that's why Brown got the goal line carries that, that he was able to punch in. To me, that's even bigger of a concern because that means that they don't even look at, okay, we're inside the five, we're inside the one, we're inside the two. Let's bring Todd in and give him the, a couple carries because we know he'll punch it in for us. They have the faith to give Brown the ball. So I think that that's what limits Gurley's upside. I think that Brown, people are going to overbid for him. He's not somebody that's priority at if you don't own Gurley, in my opinion. Um, and I would proceed hesitantly. Um, with him because at best I think he'll be inconsistent. But I think the biggest thing that I learned from that is that Gurley's going to have fringe running back two value at best this year, possibly. I tend to agree with that statement. Uh, but what I'm hearing, I'm hearing a lot of people talking about like blowing huge budgets on Brown. No way. With the, un, with the thinking that Brown will be an Austin Eckler to Melvin Gordon this year. That's, I mean, you're not going to be playing Melvin Gordon. I mean, you're not going to be playing Malcolm Brown as a flex play if Gurley is healthy and playing for the most part. If you're playing him, you're playing him because Gurley has been ruled out for a game. Yeah, that's I'm not it. going to count on Malcolm Brown to be a productive running back one, running back two, or even flex on a week to week basis. Nope, that's why I said if you don't own Gurley, I'm not. I'm not prioritizing picking him up. Um, not at all. So. Uh, we're, I guess we're kind of in agreement on that guy. Um, Raheem Mostert, Mr. Preseason, um, gets a <laughs> chance because Tevin Coleman has an ankle sprain. I don't believe we know more beyond that other than my guess would be it's probably a high ankle sprain. Uh, it sounds like he's a definite no-go for this week, and uh, for the foreseeable future, we're not going to see Tevin Coleman uh, in that offense. Uh, what that means is that we're left with Matt Breda, who – has been known to be somewhat fragile over the years. So, uh, again, Breda's the type of guy who could start the game, play two, three series, get hurt, and be out for three weeks himself. Yep. Now, obviously they could make a move, bring in another running back. Certainly they probably have Jeff Wilson's number on speed dial from last year. But uh, in the meantime, I, I'm, I'm actually legitimately concerned about this. I mean, Tevin Coleman is, is going to miss a little bit of time here. And I think that... Uh, Again, Breda's fragile enough that Mostert is definitely a pickup if you have Breda. And I wouldn't mind picking him up because I feel like he'd be a decent fill-in uh, if Breda were to go, uh, if when Breda goes down. I'm not going to say when Breda, Breda goes down because I actually like him. I think he's a tough-nosed kid. But he's not a bell cow. So there, no. there is going to be a timeshare there, whether it's 50-50, 60-40, 65-35. There's a timeshare there. So Mostert, Mostert will have 
residual value that you can use while Coleman's out. So you don't have to be a breeder owner to bid on him. I wouldn't break the bank. Um, maybe 10 to 15 percent if you're on a hundred hour budget. So 10, 15 bucks. If you really, really are dire at running back because you just went zero running back and you, you feel like you need to add somebody. I, I don't have any problem going and getting my guy spending a little more than you should. So that's how I see it. I think there's value, but once Coleman comes back, that value likely evaporates if Brita isn't hurt. Exactly. Giovanni Bernard. Now this is the interesting one. Now last year, uh, I managed to, in one of my redraft leagues, drafted Le'Veon Bell in the first round and managed to make it to the championship game. I'm sure we've told our listeners this great story multiple times. Uh, my second running back taken last year was Joe Mixon, uh, who also had a little bit of injury time last year. Fortunately for myself, I got James Conner and Gio Bernard late in that draft, so I didn't lose any time when they were gone. Uh, Bernard has proven time and time again that he's a capable fill-in, so with Mixon more than likely to, at the very least, be limited this week, he's going to get some time. And, and the nice thing with Gio Bernard is, Gio Bernard is kind of like Austin Eckler. He is a guy that could potentially be a flex play uh, during the regular season because he is involved on 15 to 20 plays per game. There are 15 to 20 plays scripted for him each game anyways, predominantly as a pass-catching backup option to Joe Mixon. Yeah, and in a PPR, of course, I think Gio's got that standalone value anyway. So yes. uh, at best, look, it's good to try and get out the gate fast. So if he has some extra value because Mixon's limited or misses some time, then that just is a little bit of icing on top. So I have no problem with adding um, Bernard. Again, I wouldn't break the bank for him. It depends on your situation. So that's always the hard part when we're giving advice because everybody's situation is so much you know, different compared to what it could be somewhere else. And you know, one situation you go, oh, I'll bid two, three bucks. Another situation you say, you better bid 30, you know? So, um, but I like guys like Gio that have standalone value, even if the starter's there, because you know he does have a role in that offense. Exactly. Jalen Richard. Who, oh, I really who like we have yet, Jalen Richard from we've a yet to see play last year. Right, but who we've yet to see play this week, because our game hasn't kicked off yet, so. Exactly. We haven't seen him play yet, but... Uh, Again, Richard showed out last year from a pass-catching standpoint. That was always his specialty going into last year, too. So it wasn't like he was a flash in the pan last year. Josh Jacobs, he's looked pretty good as a rookie this year so far in, in his limited use this uh, spring. But he's still a rookie. And we've got a veteran coach we're talking about here. How much is that veteran coach going to truly rely on Josh Jacobs on passing downs? I have a scary feeling that we're going to see Jalen Richard on the field more often than not once we get into third down. Yeah, that's always the question with the rookie running backs. Can you pass block? Um, but yeah, even if he can, I think that Richard has one of those geotype roles, maybe not as large and not game-planned into it, but where you know he's going to see the ball and he's going to have some touches and he'll have some residual value for when you have a guy that's injured or you're not sure if he's going to start and you want to be able to plug somebody in there that has more than just barely a heartbeat. I think Richard fits that mold. He's probably the cheapest of everybody you'll find um, unless something crazy happens in this game that we haven't seen yet, um, which if it does, then act accordingly. Well, and also you got to think too with the uh, Oakland uh, team that is likely to be playing from behind a lot this year. So game script alone, it, it's really going to be dependent on 
whether or not Josh can become a solid pass-catching option early enough on in the season. If he isn't, game script alone could push Jalen Richard into regular flex play, if not just uh, the fill-in possibility if Jacobs goes down. Yep. Okay. Um, next, we're going to move to the wide receivers. And I'll run down all the names, but then we'll go back and talk about them individually. How's that? Um, yes. We have Marquise Brown, John Ross the Third, DJ Chark, Nicole Hardman, Terry McLaurin, who I wanted to call McLaren because that's how he seemed like he was flying, um, Jamison Crowder, Michael Gallup, Paris Campbell, and Deontay Johnson, Dami Amendola, Hunter Renfro, Chris Connolly, and Keelan Doss, and Preston Williams, and Richard Higgins, and I think we named every wide receiver that's probably available. Um, that's quite a few. Yeah. Although I will start off right away and say that there's at least two of that name, names, names on that list that are not available in any league that you're playing in with me, and that's Jamison Crowder and Marquise Brown because I, I rostered every single share possible of both of those guys. Gotcha. So Marquise Brown, how much of an overreaction are we going to see people make this week based on his massive stat line that he had? There's going to be a dramatic overreaction but this is the one case where it's actually deservingly so. Marquise Brown is an elite talent. And again, we haven't seen him play yet this year, but I made a prediction on Twitter yesterday that at the end of the season, Marquise Brown has more touchdowns than Antonio Brown. Okay. And I'm not uh, that's a bold prediction. I'm not going, it is. I'm not going to say it's not possible. Here's what I think that people need to have caution and pause with Brown is that he played 12 snaps yesterday. Talk about efficiency. I mean, he played 12 snaps. So just understand that means that he's going to be a high-variant play until you know he's getting consistent snaps. Yes. And I don't mean by consistent 12, 12, 12. I mean consistently increasing to where he's playing closer to 80, 90-plus percent of the snaps. At that point, then you could probably start considering wide receiver two with upside depending on the matchup. Um, but just like Lamar Jackson, we talked about it earlier this season, he does not have to be a great passer of the football to be a top 10-ish or better quarterback because of his legs. Well, this weekend he did it all with his arm. Um, but that alone I still think makes Brown a high-variant player. I'm not saying you shouldn't add him, but don't think you're plugging him in and getting solid production week in and week out, at least not early. Well, and then there's one other name on that list that uh, I need to touch base on, obviously, and that's John Ross. Uh, John John Ross has fooled us once. Shame on you. Fooled us twice. Shame on me. Fooled us three times. I am not buying the John Ross show. I have no faith whatsoever in John Ross to continue this. Again, I'm not sold on that offense. That offensive line is absolutely atrocious. And you know what? Dalton's just not going to have time to continue to throw the ball deep to a guy like that the rest of the season. Uh, and you know what? there will be a point where A.J. Green comes back and John Ross will turn back into the pumpkin that he always has been. And here's what I'm going to say. At his best, here's what I would expect from John Ross. Go look at what Deshaun Jackson has done in the past without Jameis Winston. His time in Philly and Washington. Look at his production, because I don't know that Ross is as good as Deshaun, but they've got similar speed, right? Um, yes. There's a reason that Deshaun Jackson, while he may have had 
X value in fantasy was never a consistent starter because of those big plays. They're great when they happen, but they don't happen consistent enough. So, no, I'm letting somebody else spend on John Ross. Next up on the list was DJ Chark, who uh, – I'm sorry. I just have a hard time saying his name without starting to do that. DJ Chark. Do, do, do. Oh, I'm sorry. I can't go more than seven seconds or otherwise we'll have to pay royalties. So. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> um, Gardner Minshew obviously worked with Chark a lot in the preseason because they were together on the second team there. Uh, everyone thought it was going to be D.D. Westbrook's big breakout last night, and he actually had a pretty good game too. Yep. Uh, so I'm, I'm not like saying, okay, the, the torch has been passed from Westbrook to Chark, but as long as uh, Minshew is in at quarterback, it's obvious that he's got a connection with Chark. So I, I think he's a decent pickup. I, I don't think, uh, again, I, that offense – is going to be playing behind a lot, particularly if the defense, what we saw last uh, week was real versus yeah. what we hoped their defense would have been this year. But, yeah, no, as long as Minshew is the starting quarterback, I'm more than happy uh, rostering Chark. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, I think he's more of a wide receiver four that you can play in that three and flex spot yep. based on matchups. Um, but it was definitely a good debut. I still think Didi's the guy to own in that offense going forward. Um, but Chark showed that there is some value, that's for sure. Now, uh, McCole Hardman is, is an interesting one here because a lot of teams drafted McCole Hardman if you had your draft early this spring because there was the question marks about whether or not Tyreek would be banned from the league. Uh, well, Tyreek's not been banned from the league, but uh, due to injury, he's going to be out of the field for at least the next two to three weeks here. So, you know, it, they, they're saying it's a separated sternoclavicular joint. That does not sound pleasant. Yeah, and but he, uh, <laughs> no, not not at all. And he was actually taken to the hospital to a trauma unit. Um, so evidently things went well. But yeah, it's not just your normal, you know, clavicle or scapula type or, or sternum type injury. It, it there was some bad stuff going on there. So, you know, I I'm not sure that uh, McCole Hardman is going to step in and, and be the savior for the Chiefs. Nor do I think they need him to be. But the fact of the matter is, if they give him the opportunity to start opposite Sammy Watkins, he's going to be a starting receiver from the arms of Pat McCombs, which basically makes him not only rosterable, but a wide receiver for at least on every any fantasy format. Yeah, he's probably a guy that I'm not going to target um, because I think that what it means, that what I think the Hill injury means is much more for Sammy Watson, Watson, Watkins, Watson, Sammy Watkins, as well as an increase for the running backs, be it Shady and or Damian Williams combined, and then Kelsey gets to continue to eat too. Hardman will have some value. I think they use him to continue to try and stretch defenses, keep him honest, use some jet sweeps, can use him like Cheetah. Um, but I don't think he's going to be a consistent fit and – You'll have to guess right if you guess any time that you put him in your lineup. So for me, he's not somebody I'm looking to add per se, unless I'm really, really in wide receiver purgatory. Yeah, I'm going to skip ahead a little bit here to Jamison Crowder, who I mentioned shouldn't be on the free agent wire. Sure. No, yeah, particularly if you're not in the league with me. Jamison Crowder, all preseason we saw that he was going to be uh, a favorite, favorite target there. And he, he looked, I mean, all the perfect role of a PPR beast there. Uh you know, he showed that a little bit back when he was with Washington a couple of years ago. He showed the ability to man yeah. that center of the field as a slot receiver, go out there and catch eight or nine passes a game. 
But because he was in Washington, which is kind of receiver purgatory, no one really paid much attention to him. And he dealt with some injuries at the end with Washington, which hurt his value also. But anyone that paid any attention to his early career with Washington knew that he was primed for a big opportunity this year, particularly in PPR formats. And again, with, with receivers like Nunwa and Robbie Anderson to stretch the field on the outsides, yep. uh, and, and Le'Veon Bell coming out of the backfield, Crowder has really untapped potential. And again, you, you aren't going to have to pay a lot for him because it's still kind of a well, an offense where it's like people might not be totally sold on the Jets' offense yet. See, but I look at it this way. I don't want to miss a guy that I really want. And I, I'll be honest. Crowder would be my prior, one of my priority pickups here. He's available in 30% of the leagues. I think Corey missed a mark saying he's worth 5 to 7 bucks. A guy like Crowder, who I know you can plug in and play him as a wide receiver three with two upside, I'm paying 10 to 15 bucks for. I want to make sure I come away with him in my free agent bid. The next guy on his list, uh, Michael Gallup. I'm a little surprised he's the free agent this much, too. Yeah, me too. It says he's available in 15% of leagues. Uh, coming off of last year, obviously down the stretch, he, he did fairly well when uh, Amari Cooper came over there to keep defenses honest, to give, uh, give them another weapon to throw to. He had a big game this past week. Um, I actually think he's got a pretty good matchup coming up this week, too. We'll talk about that a little bit more in the DFS segment, I'm thinking. But, uh, again, he's not going to be an every-week starter for you, but he's a nice fill-in player. Uh, definitely once to start getting into the bye weeks, I think he'd be a great uh, yep. wide receiver four bye week replacement type guy. That is how I see him. I've drafted him in a few leagues. I'm shocked that he's you know 15% available in some leagues. Um, he's not somebody that's going to put up huge numbers for you week in and week out, but I still think that he's somebody that could catch in that 55 to 65, maybe 70 balls if you're lucky for seven, 800 yards and maybe four or five touchdowns this year. So, yeah, there's, there's value there. And if you're thin at wide receiver, he's definitely can be an end-of-the-bench type guy or that bridge guy for your bye weeks. I have no problem with that at all. Skipping ahead a little bit more here, I'd like to talk about uh, Hunter Renfro. Uh, I particularly like Hunter Renfro because of his massive power. Uh, I've watched him hit about 20 home runs already this year for the San Diego Padres. So the fact that he's going to be a uh, wide receiver, I have to assume that he's going to be a, a decent wide receiver too. So, oh, wrong guy. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Hunter Renfro coming out of college was basically known as a guy who caught everything within five feet of him. I mean, literally catches any pass anywhere near him. He'll go up and fight for the ball. Uh, he'll come down and grab the ball near the ground uh, I, I wouldn't doubt that he's starting opposite uh, Tyrell Williams within two to three weeks. Here, he's going. And he's going to be their, that Tyrell. He is going to be their slot guy. There's no doubt about it. He's their slot guy, so he's going to see the field a lot. And again, when you when you think about that, I mean, Tyrell Williams. Do you really trust him as a wide receiver one? No, I know I don't. I don't. Um, if Tyrell and Hunter Renfro were both available to be picked off off the waiver wire, I know this is going to sound crazy, but I'm going to pick up Hunter Renfro. And I did pick him up in multiple leagues as soon as the news broke um, where AB was released and there were first-come, first-served waivers. I went and I nabbed him, I think, in two or three leagues, honestly. Well, the way I like to say this is think of Hunter Renfro, uh, particularly if you're in a dynasty format, Think of him as a poor man's Cooper Cup. If you like Cooper Cup, but you don't like the fifth 
round capital you have to spend to get Cooper Cup at draft. Hunter Renfro is a guy you're going to be able to pick up as a free agent who is going to be a poor man's Cooper Cup the rest of the way. Yeah, and, and Renfro very easily could lead that team in receptions this year. Exactly. So how much are you going to spend for him? I mean, Corey's got two to four bucks. <laughs> in, in, Dyn- in Dynasty, I'm spending a lot. I'm, I'm, okay. I'm really I'm, I'm opening up the vault for him in Dynasty. In, in redraft, redraft. I, I've got him at about uh, 9 or $10 yeah. uh, I was gonna budget. S- I was going to say, I'd be right in that $10, $12 range. Again, I usually spend a little more because I, ca- I want to get who I want to get. I don't want to save a dollar here or there, um, especially early in the season. Cause it gets thin quick on a waiver wire, as we know. Um, I want to back up to one. Um, we, we passed the fast guy um, for Washington because I had high hopes for Trey Quinn, but it was Terry McLaurin that had the big day against the Eagles. Um, see a guy that you're, and he's available in almost 71% of leagues, it shows. See a guy that you're going to try and go after? Do you expect him to be consistent? What are your concerns? Well, you know what? He, he showed out this past week with Case Keenum at the helm, and obviously he has familiarity with Dwayne Haskins for when Dwayne Haskins takes over for Case Keenum at some point this season. So yep. there's that element going to it. Again, they don't really have anyone else that they really trust in that offense pass-wise. I mean, Paul Richardson's your quote-unquote wide receiver one coming into the year. That's about as depressing as uh, as like a, a 24-hour hour suicide watch. So again, if you got to choose a receiver that has a chance to be a legit wide receiver one for your team... That's a free agent right now. Terry McLaurin's probably that guy. But again, it's, it's on a team that's frankly not going to score a ton of points this year in, in general, either with Keenum or with Haskins at the helm. So what you're getting is at best the wide receiver five, I think. Yep, a guy that maybe you could play a matchup for a bye fill-in or an injury fill-in. I don't see consistent numbers. I do think that Trey Quinn still is the guy to own there if you want some sort of consistency in a PPR. But yeah, the kid showed some good stuff, so it's it's you know I can't fault that, but I think people will overbid for him honestly. Again, the, uh, if it's a dynasty format, maybe you spend a little bit more for him. But if it's just redraft, I, I wouldn't invest that much in him, despite the fact he's got the opportunity there. Okay, anybody else that you want to talk about in this? Uh, not really at the wide receiver position. I, I, I'm a bit of a Chris Conley uh, rube, so okay. I like to have him. Uh, Again, mainly because uh, I'm a Chiefs fan, and I know he was a, an active part of the Chiefs passing offense for the last couple of years. Again, he spent most of the preseason on that second team along with uh, DJ Chark, so they've got the most experience working with Gardner Minshew. Yep. Um, again, he's the type of guy that is a waiver wire uh, phone call away at any given point. You're not going to spend more than a buck or two for him anyway, so let, let him sit out there. Pick him up when you need to. Preston Williams, from a dynasty standpoint, is a must-add. Sure. And we're, we're talking about a guy who's probably – and I know Corey lists him at 0 to $1 for redraft, which is probably right because much like Washington, it's it's a real uh, uh, crap storm down there in Miami right now, and half the team wants to leave and half the team wants to be traded away. Preston Williams maybe wants to be traded away. We don't know that yet. But uh, he is a legitimate talent. And if that team and that organization can get their butts out of their, or get their heads out of their butts at some point in the next year or two, he's going to have a great career ahead of him. I'll agree with you on that. Um, let's move to tight end. A uh, guy that I was not expecting big numbers from early, um, <laughs> TJ Hawkinson. Uh, so uh, who said that tight ends never perform their first year? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Um, well, when he came out, 
Matt Patricia was comparing this guy to a young Rob Gronkowski. And, well, lo and behold, he used him like a young Mac, uh, Rob Gronkowski. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, he understands how they used him, so why not? I didn't see it coming. Just going to say. Uh, I did not either, um, but I don't think it's a fluke. I was actually big time high on Jesse James last week. I, I thought that he had a great matchup. I thought that he would be the featured part of that passing game on the inside. I, I just wasn't expecting them to use him. And they went out there and they were gunning for Hawkinson. And Hawkinson was getting open, too. I mean, it wasn't like they were just throwing to him because no one else was available. Right. He was getting himself wide open and Stafford was looking his way and finding him. So, oh, by, by all means, go out and get him. I think that that showing is definitely for real, and I think he's going to be a stud the rest of the way. Yeah, and if I've got a guy like Eric Ebron, who I was avoiding like the plague this summer, um, I have no problem dropping him and picking up Hawkinson. I don't think that's much of an overreaction. I don't think Hawkins. I think Hawkinson will come back down to earth a little bit, but I do think he'll have more upside and a little more consistency than Ebron will going forward um, with Doyle in the picture there. So. Uh, Corey's got him at you know twelve to fifteen bucks. I'm probably in that same twelve to eighteen dollar range. I don't think I go twenty unless I really you know punted the position. And if you did, if you put if you punted the position, you wound up with a guy like Mark Andrews. You're okay too, right? Exactly, Mark Andrews, Darren Waller, who we have yet to see. Guys like that were the guys you punted for. But uh, again, it's just, you look at those numbers and they're just they're mind popping for this guy. And as good as he looked on that game. He's not going to get double coverage at all, ever, because they've got Marvin Jones and they've got Kenny Galladay outside. They've got Danny Amendola over the middle. They've got Carrion Johnson. So lots of yep. lots of weapons, which also means potentially splitting some of the some of the touches going forward. But at the same time, if he can produce what he did with the limited number of targets he got, yep. at a, at a rare position like tight end, I mean, I I would be spending twenty to twenty five dollars on a one hundred dollar budget on right now if I was weak at tight end. And you would get him, so that that's not a bad idea, honestly. I won't I won't argue about if, you, if you've got Kittle or Kelsey or Ertz or yeah. OJ Howard, you're you're not going after Hawkinson. Yeah, well, and but don't, if you if don't. you drafted a weak tight end, and don't Ertz didn't have a great day, OJ Howard didn't have a great day. Don't go dropping those guys for Hawkinson. But no. if you've got the end of you know, like I said, the. Not Jared Cook. He's actually having a decent game right now. If you've got Jordan Reed as your tight end one, you better spend twenty to twenty five dollars to go get TJ Hawkinson. Uh, yes, and I even think, like I said, Ebron is one of those that you would do it with. Um, if you drafted Njoku, thinking that he would be a breakout, I would I would drop him in instead. Um, but he so, scored this week too. Yeah, but I don't think you're going to see consistency with all the mouths to feed there. Exactly. But you know what? So I brought up Jordan Reed. So speaking of Reed, the other tight end on the list, Vernon Davis. Yep. How, how old is Vernon Davis? Is Vernon Davis older than Frank Gore or vice versa? I think that they are twins. They might be. Conjoined twins. Yep. Um, <laughs> so when Davis scored that touchdown, which was a great effort on his part because the tackling, it was like he was lathered in baby oil or something the Eagles could not bring him down I don't know if you noticed but after he scored the touchdown he had a couple of team um, guys with him helping him off the field and then it looked like he went to his eyes with his hand it looked like he was crying I thought he hurt himself like I, but I'm like I didn't see it 
what I found out was his grandfather passed away the day before, and it was uh, just a bunch of emotion that had overcome him. But yeah, as long as Jordan Reed is on the sidelines, Davis makes one of those great plug-in plays that you can use in season-long and DFS. Well, I said, just think about this. He faces the Cowboys next week. The Cowboys just gave up 11-116-1 to Evan Ingram last week. Think about that. Yeah, Evan Ingram's a wide receiver for that team right now, though. Well, again, aside from Terry McLaren and Trey Quinn and Paul Richardson, Vernon Davis might be the best wide receiver on the Redskins. That is true. That is actually fair point. Fair point. All right, you ready to get into some DFS? I can tell you are. You're like, everything's... Yes. uh... I I had a great week, so I'm definitely excited to get into it again. So let's, let's remind people. Harlan and I do not talk about who we like, who we don't like, or anything like that. Um, we're going to give you a pay-to-play. That's who we're going to pay up for, um, a guy that we're going to stay away from, and that's usually based on price, but not always, right? It could just be matchup-driven. Yep. Um, and then a value play for each of the positions, and we usually try to guess how many we're going to agree on, and last week I think we killed one of the things, killed quarterback, right? Wasn't that it? Yeah, and, I believe so. And then just screw the pooch on everything else. <laughs> so where are we at tonight? What's the over-under set at for matching? Uh, I, I'm going to go four with the caveat that one of the players, or one of the picks, I actually picked two players. So I think that we're going to get four for one of those two. It's going to be one of them. I actually picked two players for one of them also. Oh, interesting. Okay. It would be great Maybe if it's, it's the, the same, same one. And, <laughs> you know, because I know that we both each tend to be a little contrarian every now and then, I'm actually going to take the under this time. Okay. All right, I'm going to start it off. Since I was wrong, I will eat crow. Um, I said to avoid Pat Mahomes last week, I believe. Right? He was my stay away. And you know what? I'm not making that mistake this week. He is the highest-priced guy on the board. But if you're going to pay up for a quarterback, I'm going to pay up for him. Simple as that. I see see nothing wrong with that. I was contrarian and went away from Patrick Mahomes just because I, knew you would. I thought that was too obvious. <laughs> I, 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 so for me, it's like I'm willing to pay up for a player, but at the same time, I also don't want to have the same player that every every other person has. Yep. So from a cash game standpoint, yes, I'm definitely paying up for Patrick Mahomes. But for the uh, GPPs, the guy that I'm going to pay up for is Tom Brady. Okay. Now, you, you did see what Lamar Jackson did to Miami last week. Yes. The only way that Miami will stop Tom Brady is if Dorian returns to landfall in Dade County. So my biggest fear with Brady, why I didn't pick him as my payup, is... Does he play a whole game? I know he normally does, but, I mean, they really could have this thing. Like, Bill can use the second half as a preseason game and get second stringers some time to play. That's my biggest concern. It really is. I, I'm surprised they didn't yesterday, though. I was yeah, but it, that. it was the Steelers. I think that's a statement-type game, you know. Um, but even at the end, it was a little surprising. But Miami and the heat and everything that you likely have to deal with there, I, I don't know, just – that's my biggest concern. That's the risk I saw with him. I actually had him as my stay away, a consideration for my stay away, and crossed him out and went with somebody else. So Now, I, did, wasn't it last year that Brady had his 
trap game in Miami where he struggled and the team lost? Uh, yes, they lost on that last play of the game or something where Gronkowski couldn't make a tackle. On was it Belage or was it? Um, uh, is it Drake? Yes, yeah, Drake or, or Drake. Belage? Yeah, one, one of the two. two. Okay, so I hinted at my stay away being Brady, but I said I decided against that. I always like to stay away from higher priced guys to give more room in lineups. So the guy that I think that will be more chalky because of his performance this past week, but has high variant, um, and he is at home. I'm going to stay away from Lamar Jackson this week. Interesting. Even going against that Arizona secondary. Yes, because I think that we see him come back down to earth on the passing a little bit. I do think he runs. I think he winds up being a solid play. I just think he's going to be over-owned for what you're actually going to get from him. Exactly. I totally agree with you on that statement there. Uh, He was not my stay away. My stay away is Aaron Rodgers versus Minnesota. Yep. The, the Viking defense is not nearly as good as what they showed by completely dominating an Atlanta Falcon offensive line that is seriously, seriously overrated. But Aaron Rodgers really has to be sweating Anthony Barr and the Vikings' pass rush, especially after suffering that serious injury on the Anthony Barr sack a couple of years ago. Yeah. So what I want to add real quick was one of the guys I considered for my payup, but I didn't want to pick him for two reasons. One, hadn't seen him play yet this week, Deshaun Watson. Two, with what Mahomes did to the Jacksonville Jaguars, that looks like it should be a juicy matchup, but that's what scares me. You know what I mean? That mm-hmm. Jags defense can't be that bad, and if you know what happens when you have a wounded animal backed into a corner, right? So that's why I, stood, yep. that's why I steered away from Watson on my payup. I can totally understand that. So who's going to be your value play this week? I bet we agree on this one. I don't know. Uh, my value play is Derek Carr versus Kansas City. No. Yeah, we haven't seen Carr play yet, but the Chiefs defense made Gardner Minshew look like an all-pro. Carr will be playing from behind in this game, so he's going to throw the ball probably 75 times. Based on volume alone against that defense and all the holes, he's going to pass for 400 yards. So... What I like about that is he will be low-owned. I doubt that a lot of people will be in on Carr unless he has a really, really good night tonight. Um, The guy I picked is a guy that I think won't be as owned as he should be, and he tends to have much better home versus away splits, and he's actually priced lower than I would have expected. I expect a bounce back for Ben Roethlisberger against Seattle. Um, I don't expect the Seattle defense to be as forgiving as they were against Andy Dalton, where I believe they gave up over 400 passing yards. Um, but it is in pit, and we will see Juju and crew have a much better bounce-back week this week. So I like Ben Roethlisberger as a value play. Totally agree. Who are you paying up for at running back? This is where we might match. So, yeah, um, he's playing right now, and stat-wise, he's doing more in the receiving game than he is the running game. But I don't see how you cannot love Alvin Kamara this week with what Christian McCaffrey did um, against that Rams team. Absolutely. That is exactly where I went to. Uh, The Rams defense actually gave Cam Newton some fits. That's kind of why I was avoiding Cam Newton uh, to go along with the uh, fact he was recovering still from his injury. But Cam Newton was still able to shuttle the ball to McCaffrey 10 times. Plus McCaffrey had a big game on the ground. You know, I would argue that Kamara is a better running back on the ground, but McCaffrey's a better receiver. In the end, their lines are going to finish being very, very similar against the Rams defense that 
while they're still pretty good against the pass, have some serious deficiencies now on their defensive line. Yeah, and I'll be honest with you, it really was easy to find who to pay up for because there's a lot of guys in the top that I want to stay away from this week. Yes. So with that said, I'm going to stay away from the highest-priced guy. Yes, he'll still get his, and he is at home, so that made it a harder thing for me to, to say I'm going to make him my stay away. But I'm going to avoid Saquon Barkley this week. That Buffalo defense is for real. We're lockstep on both running backs so far. I originally had listed Joe Mixon because I thought that his injury might be a factor into the play. Plus, uh, I, I just I didn't like the potential game script there. But I switched over to Saquon when I realized that Mixon was much, much likelihood not to play this coming week. So def- definitely have to go with Saquon. The price is just too high this week. Yep. So at value play, I have three guys. And I said, okay, I'm going to cross this guy out. And I'll, I, I should go with him. Now, okay, I like this guy, and I'm going to cross him out. And then I went with a third guy who's probably possibly priced higher than he should be for a value play for me because, you know, I usually like to dig deep. Um, but I'll tell you who it was that I crossed out first was Chris Thompson. I think game script-wise, it's going to be perfect for him, especially with Geis out, APN. We know does not play a lot of passing downs. Um, but I just I, could, I didn't want to rely on him. So then I looked at Malcolm Brown. I thought, well, I like Malcolm Brown's matchup this week. Uh, but I, don't also, I also don't know what we're going to get from the Saints defense because we haven't seen them perform yet. They're performing now behind me as I speak with you. Um, so I wound up going with a guy who I think will have much lower ownership this week because people tend to feel jaded after one week and I think has a great matchup. And I hope that we can see him have a better market share this week of the offense. But I like on Johnson's matchup this week. Yeah, I think we were both on on Johnson last week. I think most people were. I think he was fairly highly owned in, in GPPs. Uh, the matchup is still pretty nice this week, so I certainly have no problem with that. His price slipped a little bit from last week, obviously. Uh, Chargers, kind of middle-of-the-road defense against the run. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not totally sold on him, but again, at that price tab, I totally understand you go on him as your value play. I go a little bit cheaper this week. I'm going with Matt Breda okay. at Cincinnati. Uh, Cincinnati's run defense might be the only thing in the league worse than their run offense. Uh, Chris Carson scored twice against them last week, including once both on the ground and once through the air. Uh, Breed is obviously involved on both ends there for San Francisco. Tevin Coleman out for the foreseeable future. You know, uh, it's Matt Breed's show until he gets hurt. Uh, Raheem Mostert will have a role, but uh, as long as Breed is healthy, I think he's in for a big week, including at least one score this coming week. Yeah, I can see that. I like Breida. I'm a Breida fan, so I don't have any problem with that at all, honestly. Um, so let's go right to wide receiver. I think we're going to agree here also. Um, who are you paying up for? Well, this is going to be an ironic situation. I picked two guys here at this spot. I picked two. And on here's my, why. I picked two on my stay away. So the first player I picked is the number one receiver for the quarterback I'm staying away from, Devontae Adams. Now, if you look at Devontae Adams' stats versus Minnesota over the last few years, they've been kind of middle of the road. Usually catches about five passes for 60 yards. What you have to look closer at, though, is over the last four games played against Minnesota and five of the last eight, he scored a touchdown against Minnesota. So again, you're probably not going to get 3x value out of him at that price point. 
but you're guaranteed at least a touchdown out of him, which is right along the path to getting at least 2x value. Now, when looking for 3x value, which is ultimately what you want to do, particularly when you're spending up, Keenan Allen at Detroit is the best bet. Uh, Larry Fitzgerald went off for eight catches, 113 yards, and a touchdown in week one, basically running a similar route tree to that which Keenan Allen runs, which is a lot of the slants, a lot of the short uh, passes, a lot, a lot of the routes where he'll turn and come back and get the ball. That's really kind of where Keenan Allen lives, too, so I think he's going to be a, a great opportunity to produce 2 to 3x at a $7,600 price tag, which is still pretty high. Okay. Well, we don't agree there. Um, not that I don't agree with what you just said, but we didn't agree on our picks. I'm doing a small stack of a value play and a pay-up. I think Juju is a great play this week. Did you see what John Ross did to that defense? Right? I mean, yep. Juju can go deep and go fat and fast with everybody, and I don't think he's going to have the ownership that he would normally have based off of the per- poor performance that's going to be stuck in everybody's mind. And I mean everybody because it was on Sunday night football. So nobody did not have that game. Well, so I'm going to skip ahead a little bit here and tell you my value play is James Washington versus Seattle. <laughs> okay. Okay. Same thought pattern. And, well, and so here's the thing. Uh, Juju Smith-Schuster will likely get the same coverage that Tyler Boyd got. Tyler Boyd had a pretty good line, too. I think he was like 7 for 60 or something like that. Yeah. But it was John Ross lining up uh, in the, basically the third receiver role there who went off for the seven catches, 158-2 and two against uh, the Seattle defense. That's really Washington's role in the Pittsburgh offense, at least as long as Moncrief is starting opposite uh, Juju Smith-Schuster. So I, I think that Washington and Roethlisberger are going to hook up for at least one long touchdown. I heard they're going to put Dante Moncrief on Mount Everest. Not Mount Everest. Um, oh, goodness, I mess up a joke. Um, Mount Rushmore. Give him a stone face oh, to catch his stone hands. Um, <laughs> all right, so then who are you avoiding? Who are you staying away from? Uh, I'm staying away from a guy we're watching right now, and that's Michael Thomas at the Rams. Oh, uh, Michael. Bingo. We match? I Michael have, Thomas is going to be facing off against Akib Tlaib next week. I have two. At, he, at, he was one of them. So. At, at 8,000 and 8,500, I, I don't want any wide receiver against Akib Tlaib. I had it down to two people, Hopkins and Michael Thomas. I don't really like either of their matchups. I don't like their prices. Um, Hopkins does always seem to perform, so I probably would lean Thomas, but they were the both. I didn't cross one out. I have both of them on my list, so we'll call that a half a match. Well, and I also listed one other person as a value play, uh, and that was a guy who I thought was a little too expensive to truly be a value, but... He's a guy you'll be able to plug into like your wide receiver two spot in your DFS lineup, and that's Michael Gallup at Washington. We talked a little bit about this earlier. Uh, Washington obviously uh, did pretty good. Uh, they've got pretty good cornerback one. Cornerback two, cornerback three, not so much. Deshaun Jackson went for eight catches, 154 yards, and two touchdowns against them. So my value play um, is in direct comparison the opposite of my stay away, but on the same team, believe it or not. So while I said I would probably stay away from Hopkins based on price, I like Will Fuller. Um, again, I know it's a tough matchup, but you see what Sammy, Sammy Watkins did to that team. Um, and Fuller's got speed. You know, Hopkins is the big guy. He can get down the field too, but he's the guy that they're going to use to move the sticks and stuff. Um, and Fuller has had great chemistry with 
Watson when they're healthy and on the field together. Um, and right now he's got three catches for 70 or 80-ish yards, I think, um, in the third quarter. So, A lot of that came on one catch early on. He had a long catch for 54 yards. But, yes, I agree. Fuller's chemistry with uh, Deshaun Watson when they're both healthy and on the field is unmistakable. Yep. So that's who my value play is at 5,300, 6,100. I think that you you get a high upside guy in your lineup that could easily score two touchdowns. I think we might match our pay-to-play at tight end this week. Let's see. Um, you want to go first or you want me to? I'll go first. I'm going to take George Kittle at Cincinnati. No, we don't match. The Bengals gave up five tight end touchdowns over their last six games last year, and they were one of the worst all season long against the position. So, yes, they are. Yes, he was a consideration. But, again, I missed out on those Chiefs last week. Um, I just, you know, with with Cheetah out this week, I think Kelsey, if I'm going to pay up for somebody, I'm going to pay up for him. No argument there. I I, I agree Kelsey's a great play. I just, uh, again, trying to do a little variance from the obvious taking the Chiefs here. No, absolutely. And I think that Pat owes him – a touchdown or two because he tweeted out that he owed him lunch because he missed him on a no-look pass. Um, so I actually think we see Mahomes go out of his way to make sure he gets Kelsey in the end zone this week. Well, then I hope that maybe they uh, go out for a little cue at Q39. There you go. I do think we're going to match on one, if not both, of the rest of our tight end picks. Well, who are you staying away from? I'm staying away from the guy that had probably the top tight end line in the league last week. I'm staying away from Evan Ingram, even though he is the only option for the Giants, it seems like. That makes it easier for the Bills to take him out of the game. I did consider him, and Ingram, I should say, not Ingram, but Buffalo Bills have always been fairly good against tight ends, too. Uh, But I ultimately went with Eric Ebron at Tennessee. Tennessee is also historically dominated against the tight end position. Brissett only targeted Ebron three times, completing only one pass for eight yards. It almost looked at times like he was more interested in throwing the ball towards Moelle Cox than it was throwing the ball towards Ebron. And that's not shocking because guess what? Who's on that second team offense before Andrew Luck retired? Exactly. And even last year when Ebron had all those touchdowns, he was really a touchdown dependent play. Yes, he was. And you know what? Jacoby Brissett is not Andrew Luck. I'm sorry. Nope. He's a, he's, he's a well enough quarterback that should still keep the Colts in the playoff hunt. But, yes, he's not Andrew Luck. Okay. So I guarantee we're going to agree on our value play. We have to. We talked about him a little bit earlier today, and that's Vernon Davis versus Dallas. Uh, no, we don't. We don't agree. Oh, 3,200 and 5,100. Last week, a tight end who was the only reliable receiver for an aging, mediocre quarterback against the Dallas defense went off. This week, a tight end who is the only reliable receiver for an aging, mediocre quarterback will go off against the Dallas defense again. That's Vernon Davis. So I went a different route. Um, I think that the old, the other old man, Delaney Walker, is a super solid play this year, this week, I should say, at 3,559. He's you know, facing the Colts team that gave up four for 60 to Hunter Henry. Um, and Henry probably wasn't able to get out in as many routes as we would have thought that he would. I haven't watched that game yet back, so I'm not sure how much he was used as a blocker. But that's his downside this week, I think, is four for 60. Uh, you know, I like Delaney Walker. I've always been a Delaney Walker fan. Um, I, I was the guy who would always wait on a tight end and grab a guy like Delaney Walker yeah. late. 
back in the day when Delaney Walker was still a young buck. I was also the guy who was always upset because Delaney Walker would have one or two good games, and then he'd post five games in a row with three catches for 16 yards. It happens at the tight end position. It does, but it seemed like it happened more frequently with Delaney Walker than any other guy that I ever owned. So, yes, I think it's a good matchup for him. The price tag is about right for a value play, but uh, I, I I just couldn't go there. Okay. I, I almost went with TJ Hawkinson, but I didn't think it was fair to call him a value play because FanDuel has him listed at 6000 Right. I'm with you on that. No, I agree. I looked at that the same way. Um, so something I just looked at before we say our goodbyes here. Um, is there anything else you want to add first? No, I think we got through everything okay today. Yeah, we did two and a half matches, so I, I, went, I went on the under, um, even if you wanted to push it to a full three since I had Michael Thomas and Nuke. Um, anyway, what I was going to say is today is 9-9, right? 9-9-19. Um, we're, we're actually filming, recording episode 109. That's just a lot of nines for some reason, so um, maybe we should have picked guys that run the nine route. <laughs> anyway that's that's quite possible or, or just players that wear number nine does jim mcmahon still play i don't know is Taysom hill wearing number nine today is he really i don't know i can't i, I, I don't, know. don't know um <laughs> oh breeze is nine no why am i saying drew breeze is nine uh, see quarterbacks don't matter so now we can get off the nine train all right with that <laughs> said um what i want you to do is give my pal harley a follow on twitter at nuclear harley Give me a follow if you're not already following at Steve Gallo NFL. Of course, this is where we pander to you and say, please go to iTunes and rate us and review us and all that good stuff. But nobody ever does, Harley. Um, there are a few there, not many, but a few. Um, and then, of course, if you're not a member, do yourself a favor. Dig deep in your pocket. You'll thank yourself later, but go sign up for the huddle. And then, as always, until next week, get blitz responsibly. Cheers.